0: Good afternoon, I am Rich Nass, Executive Vice President of Open Systems Media. I lead the Embedded Computing Design Team, and I am here for this week's Embedded Executive Podcast. This week, my Embedded Executive is Scott Bebo, who is the President and CEO of Atomara. How you doing, Scott? I'm doing great. Good, so uh, before we get started, Atomara, just um, enlighten the audience real quick before we get into what I really wanna talk to you about.
1: Sure, Atomera designs a thin film that's applied onto semiconductors when they're being manufactured and it makes kind of uh, boosts the power of the transistors, makes them higher performance, lower power, and a bunch of other good things. And we're working with most of the larger semiconductor companies in the world to try to implement our technology.
0: Cool, thank you. So the reason that I brought you on, something crossed my desk that said, something about the industry's bad math when it comes to chip production. And to be honest with you, I don't know what that means. And I would really like to be enlightened. So what, what is that? And, and, it was, it was, and this wasn't out of the blue, this was an Atomera release, I think, that I saw. So what does that mean? What are you referring to when you talk about the industry's bad math?
1: Okay, well, it starts with Moore's law, which is something all of us understand pretty well in the semiconductor industry. Um, back in the early days, and even into the 2000s, we used to think about starting a new manufacturing line and we would, uh, we would assume that we would get 20 to 25% improvement in processor performance and lower power if we designed a new processing capability. So we'd have to build a new factory and the new factory would cost you a know, billion dollars, but it always made sense. That if you got a twenty to twenty-five percent improvement in product cost, then you would build the new factory.
0: Are you saying that that twenty to twenty-five percent somehow comes out of Moore's law?
1: Yeah, that's what Moore's law does. You know, that's the thing that allows you to get the higher performance and the lower power consumption, and you get about a twenty to twenty-five percent improvement in both those things, and that's why it makes sense.
0: Okay, that is sort of an extraction though, because it, the way that I remember Moore's law, it has to do with the number of transistors that were on right. I mean, the associated.
1: Sofa. Yeah, you're right. Associated with those, I talked about power and and uh, uh, power consumption and performance, but there's also the size of the die you can make. So you can put more transistors onto a die, and the answer for that is, uh, you know, doubling or something. But you're But in effect, what you ended up getting was kind of the same product that would perform 20 to 25% higher performance, uh, lower power, and at the same or lower cost. That's what kept the ball rolling for many years.
0: Okay, so if we make an assumption that that's true, where does this bad math come from?
1: Well, you know, these days, there's kind of a slowdown in Moore's law. It's pretty well understood. It's just so hard now to try to move to that next smaller process node because we've gotten such small die sizes. I mean, uh, uh, such small transistor sizes that, uh, you know the more, Moore's law takes four or five years now and we maybe get a 15% improvement every time we do the process node. So what the industry has started looking at doing is taking some of those older process nodes and improving them somehow. And they're doing that by introducing new materials and new manufacturing techniques, which can allow you to get uh, uh, the same benefits that you might get if you had introduced a new manufacturing node.
0: So you're saying the fab that I'm building at my backyard, I should halt production immediately?
1: Yeah, I would say. if you're planning to invest four and a half billion to build that new fab, there's other alternatives that might be more economical. <laughs>
0: Put in a pool instead. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you. Uh, I, I noticed, what, I guess at the time of the, the statement of Moore's law, it was a billion dollars. And that number is significantly north of that now to build a fab.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, the new fabs are phenomenally expensive, I think.
0: So what uh, are some of those improvements that, that, you alluded to
1: now some of the new materials can go in and uh by depositing the material onto the wafer when you're manufacturing you can shrink your transistor without having to go to a whole brand new fab so you maybe have to add one or two additional steps to add this new material in and that allows you to make your transistor smaller
0: with the new material being what
1: well, our company makes a material called MST that's a good example of this, but in, the, in years past, there's been other materials like strained silicon or high K metal gate that have accomplished uh, this type of thing.
0: So, I, I mean, I'm sure your people are really smart, but how has this not been discovered previously?
1: Um, It takes a long time from when you come up with the concept of a material before it actually gets into volume production. Those other two technologies I mentioned, it took them about 18 years from first concept to getting into production. So there are other things that are underway right now, but they're just not quite there. Where the bad math comes in is um, the industry is so used to Moore's Law moving forward every two years or so and thinking about this 20 to 25 percent improvement to justify a big new fab, that when we talk to industry players about adding in a new material, they think they still need to get a 20, 25% performance improvement to justify the work. And that's just no longer true because we can do it so much less expensively with just a new material.
0: Why isn't this coming from the likes of a TSMC or you know somebody who's, that's their lifeblood?
1: Yeah, I mean, TSMC and Intel and Samsung, Global Foundries, those companies have massive R&D budgets and they're constantly working on ideas like new materials that they'll be bringing into production. It's not very well understood outside the industry because they're just incorporated whenever they do a new process node. In our case, being a separate company that's developed this technology with investor money and trying to license it out to those companies. It's a little bit different, but it's essentially the same thing that they're trying to do internally.
0: Pretty interesting. So what is your business model? Are you licensing to the fabs?
1: Yeah, I mean, our technology, uh, it, it has many different applications across the older process nodes all the way up to the bleeding edge nodes that are still under development today. And a semiconductor fab can try our technology out and we work with them to show them how to use it. If it helps them, they can license it from us and just go into production with it. And they pay us a small royalty when they uh, ship those wafers or the chips. But um, so that's how our business model works. It's pretty simple.
0: Interesting stuff. How long have you guys been around?
1: Our company was founded quite a while ago in the early 2000s, kind of a pure R&D effort at that point. And uh, in 2016, we actually went public on the NASDAQ and have been engaged with a lot of customers ever since then, a growing, uh, growing and growing number of customers. So we're not in volume production yet, but we're hoping to get there sometime soon.
0: And are, you, are your folks more on the chemistry side than the E side?
1: Yeah, you know, I have a pretty good mix. I have a lot of material scientists who are, are I would say, more towards chemistry and material science. But I also have integration engineers who uh, fall more into the double E camp.
0: Integration engineer, that's a new one for me.
1: Yeah, so when you're, when you're um, developing a new manufacturing process and you come up with a innovative new thing you'd like to add into the process. Imagine when you're manufacturing a wafer, it's hundreds of steps that the, the wafer goes through as it's being manufactured you're going to add in a few more steps. It's going to affect all the other steps around it. And there's actually engineering folks who specialize in doing that. They're called integration engineers.
0: Hmm. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. Uh, well, thank you, Scott. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to educate the audience on bad math and <laughs> some of those other stuff about you know, what's going on with these fabs.
1: Okay. Well, it was great talking with you.
0: That was Scott Bebo. He is the president and CEO of Adam Arrett, And I am Rich Nass with Open Systems Media.